We will stay with the Revelation on Wednesdays and Sundays and back to 1 Samuel, God willing, somewhere along the way when we finish with the Revelation. We're in chapter 5, the Revelation, and I, I set this up last time, it was online, but verse 1, I spent quite a deal of time talking about the scroll and referencing Daniel because Daniel in so many ways parallels and sets up what uh, is in the Revelation. Go back briefly and start with verse one again and highlight it a little bit, hit the high point and then move on from there. The Revelation chapter five and verse one. I saw a scroll on the right hand of the one sitting upon the throne having been written inside and on the back. It is, of course, the title deed of not just planet Earth, but the universe. Someone has tried to steal it. How it was lost, the description of what is to be inherited is on one side, what is to be taken, the price for it, how it was lost, and the price to regain it, to redeem it, is on the other side. So this is the great scroll that comes out from the one who is upon the throne. This throne vision is complicated, frankly. You have the same throne vision in many ways, but the way it's presented in Daniel and the way it's presented in the Revelation have to be put together. So here's, here's the great God Almighty on the throne. And the one, the only one we see and we can see who is is God coming to us, of course, is God the Son. So you have this, you have this uh, tremendous vision of the one upon the throne. This is God Almighty. We have already studied how in this scene are the Son and the Holy Spirit, as well as the Father. Coming forth from this, is a hand of power and sovereignty. It is the right hand. In the biblical world, the right hand was always the hand of power and might. So the one who has the right to possess this scroll, the only one who can offer it out to whoever is worthy and able to take it and to pay the price to get back that which was stolen, that which was by deception taken away and by fraud wrongfully 
given over in some ways to a usurper, an intruder, in order to get it back, there must be one who can do that. So here it is, sealed with seven seals. It's on the front and on the back. We've talked about that. This scroll is extended from the great throne of heaven. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? It is an official document. It has been sealed by the one who officially can administrate and govern and declare the terms and declare that the terms have been fulfilled. The one who has this in his hand is the only one who can do those things. Now, strong angel. If you can imagine throughout the Bible, the times the angels have been seen, one of them killed 185,000 Assyrian troops, just, just one of them. One of them blinded the whole city of Sodom or two of them. I mean, the, the point being, these guys are really, they're all strong. So when the Holy Spirit guides John to say this angel was a strong angel, this angel is a strong angel. He's mighty. A mighty angel, same word, mighty or strong, could, could uh, translate it either way. So it's like, it's like, if this guy can't do it, nobody can do it. This is a strong angel. He's not only a strong angel, he has a loud voice. So here is a shouting angel. His voice is so loud that it's universal. I have no idea how far away the farthest galaxy is. I do not know where the edge of the universe is. Where the second heaven stops and the third heaven begins. I have no idea how far away that is. No, I don't know. I can tell you this. It's a long way off. He is so loud that his voice goes all the way through the universe. Not only does it go through the universe, it goes beyond the universe into heaven itself and is so powerful it pierces even the domain of hell, Hades. So he's shouting, he's yelling. Here is the scroll that which Describes where we are, where we live. We're in an awful state. Things are supposed to be better than this for us. We're not supposed to always being surrendered over to the enemy. Where, where vile things and, and sin and, and sickness and all this stuff, they seem to rule supreme all the time. And then there's, there's death in the grave. Every generation 
has faced this fallen condition that came because of sin. How to do away with all that and to restore everything the way that it should be, those terms are written on the back side of that scroll. Now here is the hand of, of deity. The Almighty can declare this is the extent of it and here are the terms of its redemption. Shouting with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? These are the official seals. These are, these are the, seals, the seals of the Godhead. The only one who could break those seals would have to be one of the Godhead. Someone of equal rank, in a sense. Someone who is worthy. Not, not just worthy, but who is able to do it. Look at this. Silence is everywhere. The strong angel has shouted his voice and challenge heard throughout the universe, even into the third heaven and all the way down to the lowest hell. And no one in heaven, nor upon the earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the scroll. Not only that, they couldn't even understand what was written on it. The terms of redemption, so seemingly impossible that it was difficult to discern, to decide by looking and observing, it was difficult to even understand how it could be opened and the terms therein fulfilled. Who is worthy? Who is able? Nobody. In heaven, on the earth, under the earth, in heaven, myriads of angels, Michael, Gabriel, the archangel, the full cherubim, each one equally as powerful as Satan, who was one of their number and, and had fallen. None of the ranks and myriads of angels could step forward. They could only look down in unworthiness and inability and say nothing. In heaven, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, patriarchs, apostles, great kings and leaders of Israel, the prophets, every one of them had to look down and drop their heads in unworthiness. Not a one of them was worthy, nor was he able to take the scroll. On the earth, by the time this thing starts, you're going to have the Antichrist beginning to stir his false prophet 
They're going to threaten and intimidate and the world, the earth dwellers that I, as I call them, are going to look upon those guys like they're gods. And they have, they have the solution in the minds of the earth dwellers. They have solution to everything. They're going to give to mankind all that he ever wanted. And it is the apex of the times of the Gentiles. Oh, they're, they're mighty and they're strong, it would seem. No. There were the 144,000 soon to be gathered, the two witnesses. Tribulation saints being gathered, boy, they were good. They were going to have to, many, in many cases, have their heads lopped off for being believers. These were great and wonderful and good people, but nobody on the earth was worthy. Not a single person. And then there's under there, there's hell. Abaddon, Apollyon, strong demons, principalities and powers, great kings and world leaders roasting down there in Hades. They heard the voice. But all they could do was drop their pitiful heads and remain silent. No one in heaven, no one upon the earth, no one under the earth was able to open the scroll nor even understand how those conditions could be met. So here is John. After having the seventh vision of the seven churches, the awful church of Laodicea, then considering the initiation of the tribulation, surely understanding what the world was about to plunge into, knowing the danger and the horror of unrestrained, unchecked sin, the sinful condition of earth. And to think, having witnessed the cry of this strong, mighty angel and having seen how the heads of the greatest saints who ever lived had to drop in unworthiness and inability and stay silent. Nobody, nobody can give earth back to us. We'll never see paradise again. Eden is lost forever. Only death and hell and vileness and sin that gets worse and worse with no limit, no limit to the depths of depravity of the mind and imagination of the earth dwellers. Led by the man of lawlessness, the man of sin himself, the Antichrist. Listening to the sermons, the only sermons to be preached, approved by the false prophet who himself is utter darkness. Is this all there is? 
And I was weeping loudly because no one was worthy to be found to open the scroll nor even to understand the intricacies and complexities and price that had to be paid. No one could. No one could. Isaiah's prophecy is a beautiful prophecy, but Isaiah falls short. He could never, he wrote Isaiah 53. It was like he was at the foot of the cross. The psalmist wrote Psalm 22. It was like he was at the foot of the cross. Zechariah, he wrote chapters 12 through 40. It was like he was, it was like he was at the end of days himself. But for all that they knew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as they penned their prophecies or their epistles, even then could never understand the depth of the complexity and the expense of the price of redemption. No one had the fingers or the power to break those seals. It had to be, it had to be someone who had the same power as the one who sealed the seals. There was no one to be found. The crushing condition of John's beloved Israel. The pitiful state of the false church that had since come into existence, the counterfeit church. Is this how it is? It will be this way forever. And I was weeping loudly. No one was worthy to be found to open the scroll or to even understand what it would take. One of the elders was saying to me, don't weep. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the promised Messiah, the root of David, who not only is the son of David, he's the creator and God and Lord of David. He would come into his own creation. So now John expects to turn and see the great mighty king, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The elder said he has overcome. That's in the perfect. It means that it happened its effects continue. He has overcome. He has overcome. That, you know what that means? That means he is victorious. He engaged the battle. He stepped into the ring with the one 
who falsely claimed ownership of planet Earth and the universe as well. He even went down into his domain where he was strongest, into the grave. And he won. He fought him and he defeated him. He has overcome. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome to open the scroll and its seven seals. Look, it's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the son of David, the king of kings. He is the victor. So John thinks to turn and see a great king. And I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living beings and in the midst of the elders, a little lamb. He thought he was going to see this great king. A lion. It's in the diminutive. It's a little lamb. Standing as having been slain. Now that's kind of an oxymoron. Something that had been slain would not be standing. But this lamb, though slain, lives. He's standing, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, having been sent out into all the earth. A little lamb, though slain and still bearing the marks, of its sacrifice, yet living and standing. And as I saw him, I noticed seven horns, a horn in the Bible is a symbol of power and strength. Seven is the number of perfection. So this lamb, though slain, that lives, has absolute power and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, having been sent into all the earth, he sees everything. He has all power and he has all knowledge. Now on the inside of that scroll, is written the price of redemption and the intricacies that date back to the covenant that the father made with the son before the foundation of the world. And in an unknown realm, unknown to you and me, the son agreed to ratify that covenant regardless of what it would take. And only he could stand on that ground with the Father.
and have the power and the might, the willingness and the ability, virgin-born, blessed Christ, Son of God, sinless, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, now resurrected and empowered in the throne room in heaven, who could morph into the lion of the tribe of Judah, not just the son of David, but the Lord of David, the creator of David, the one who is God the Son, by the eternal will of God, God out from himself, his son becomes a man. Paid the price. Only one, a little lamb, slain yet alive, with all power and all wisdom and all knowledge, seeing everywhere he came and took it out of the hand of the one sitting on the throne. All is not lost. Satan has run his race. The times of the Gentiles have come to an end. Redemption is coming to planet Earth. First in the form of judgment that crescendos from seals to trumpets to bowls of wrath until the completion of all things and the casting of Antichrist and his false prophet alive into the lake of fire, the chaining of Satan, the dragon, the serpent, chained for a thousand years, and the establishment of the promised kingdom and the great fulfillment of all the promises to Abraham and his seed at last. The wrath of God will fall when the culmination of wickedness will reach its apex, its pinnacle in the person and under the leadership of the Antichrist. And when the men and women of earth who are the earth dwellers and will not repent, when mankind could become no more cruel and no more vile and no more sinful than what they are in those days, that's when he will crush them. And he will judge them. And he will take, black, take back that, what, that which is his. And he will rule. And he will reign for a thousand years. Now remember this, the revelation, I have to keep reminding us. This whole thing, in, in the very first verse, the very first chapter, the unveiling of Christ the unveiling, the revealing of God the Son is a gift from the Father to the Son. So it's given to the church and the church reads. It goes to the seven churches and from there to the church in general and we read the revelation. And every time we go to a new phrase or turn a page, 
we have an even more expanded view of the power and authority and glory of Christ. This place is his. He's tired of people not paying the rent. <laughs> and he's going to kick them out. He's going to kill them. And then he's going to raise them back up and send them to hell. The lake of fire. And at the end of all of that, after the final brief rebellion, when Satan is loosed for a little season, the great white throne is established and earth and heaven fly away from its presence. The universe is dissolved by the power of Christ. The books will be opened and the book will be opened. And then according to Paul, the son then will have delivered up the kingdom to the father. At the close of it all, John says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the old things have passed away. Who can open that book? The Lamb of God who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of Kings, God the Son, Deity who has invaded humanity. He not only is worthy, He's able and he understands the intricacies and the price and the cost and he solves it himself and pays it himself until all is redeemed. We're going to have our deacon prayer time.